This is the Emmanuel Message Podcast. For more information on Emmanuel, check us out online at kenosha.church. Empires Volume 1 is a series through the Book of Romans. In this chapter-by-chapter study, we will discover what it means to be a faithful follower of Christ and how to live a kingdom life. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Emmanuel, and welcome to our brand new series, Empires Volume 1. It is a study through the book of Romans. Uh, We'll be going through Romans, uh, at least a portion of it, this summer. And Romans is so big, some people have taught through it for a decade, and we're not going to do that. But we are going to divide it up between different volumes. And so uh, we're excited about this because this is actually a series that we were thinking about doing in 2019. And we felt God just say, hey, let's pause this and let's wait for 2020. Well, then this season hit and all our different series have been jumbled and we arrived at the summer and said, do we still do empires, a study through Romans? And we said, yes, we we believe this is the right season to do this. And you know what's really cool? As we begin to study and unpack what Romans is all about, I found that Christian leaders from over the last 200 years have stated the book of Romans is the most important theological work ever written. In fact, we can go beyond 200 years ago. We can go to Augustine. He said that after reading Romans, all his doubt was dispelled. Uh, The Reformation was sparked through uh, Martin Luther's reading of Romans and understanding uh, that you only receive Jesus uh, through faith. And so uh, the, the major revivals of the last 200 years have been sparked through in part by the reading of different passages in Romans. And I believe that we're just in a ripe season. I believe this is a season where we need to lean into the things of God and say, God, okay, things are confusing. We don't know what's happening tomorrow. We don't know up from down, but guess what we have? We have your word and we want you to lead us and guide us. In fact, John Stott, he called the book of Romans a manifesto of freedom through Jesus Christ. He states this, he says, it is the fullest, plainest, and grandest statement of the gospel of the New Testament. You know, I know that just all throughout our different channels that we're online, there are gonna be some of you that you are just checking this out for the first time. You don't know where you stand with Christ. There's gonna be some of you, you know where you stand with Christ. You've been following Christ for, for many, many years. But what I want you to know is this, is that as we walk through this book, I believe that every single one of us is gonna be changed. I believe that every single one of us is gonna meet God in a new and fresh way. We need to admit we've been through trauma. We need to admit uh, that we have been weary. Our souls have been weary. In fact, we we talked about that last week. You rewind, go back to the series last week where we talked about the soul. If you missed that, you need to hear that because we're kind of even going to jump off that this week is that we're weary, we're broken, we're tired. But you know what? This is a great time to answer a lot of questions, but we don't want to create the answers. We need to look for the answers and praise be to God. We have a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God who he was in February before this whole virus broke out. He's the same God before the upheaval in our nation broke out, right? And he's the same God that's gonna lead us through our current circumstances. He's the same God that's gonna lead you through circumstances that have not yet come and are confusing. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And he's given us his word. He's given us his word that we can stand upon and and receive the revelation to be led by We need a fresh feeling of the Spirit. We need an encounter, don't we? And that's what I believe that God is gonna do uh, in this season as we go through this, as we worship together, as we be the people of God. So are you ready? Are you ready to get into Romans? Well, let's do it. 
I'm going to be in uh, the physical Bible, but if you have a Bible on your phone, you can download the free Bible app or our, on our Bible app. But I want you to get into the Bible. This is a book study, which means we need to encounter the Bible together. So let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Beginning at verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh, and who was appointed to be the powerful Son of God according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Verse 5, through him we have received grace and apostleship, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, loved by God, called by his saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we can see from our context, Paul is writing to the church in Rome. Uh, he, he's writing to them to explain a deeper understanding of the gospel. Now, Paul at this point, he wanted to go to Rome, but he was prevented. Uh, the, the church in Rome, many believe, were founded by a, a, a Jewish uh, believers that maybe have come from the day of Pentecost from Israel. But let's make no mistake, this was a highly Gentile area. What I mean by that is this was an area of people from many different ethnic backgrounds. So we are assuming here this morning we have uh, very good evidence to believe that this church was very much a, a church of many different people of different backgrounds of different ethnicities. And this church undoubtedly had not grown into a full understanding of what it meant to be free in Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul's aim was to write to them, to give them a deeper instruction and even a covering of this church to, to lead them into what it means to know Jesus and to live in his power of his spirit, to be his mission. Now let's talk about Rome for a second, the Roman Empire. It was huge. In fact, take a look at this map. It spanned from pretty much modern day Portugal to the UK, all the way to Iran, and then all of Northern Africa. This empire was absolutely gigantic. Now it wasn't the first empire. I mean, we had Egypt, we had the Babylonian Empire, uh, we had the, the Persian Empire, uh, all of which, by the way, were not friendly to the things of God, and the Roman Empire was no exception. In fact, last November, Alice and I, we, uh, on our way to do some mission work with our manual partner in Northern Italy, Stefano, uh, we were able to spend a day in Rome. And it was really awesome. Uh, all these different archeological sites. But of course, when you're in Rome, what do you need to see? You, do we know, right? The Colosseum, right? And so we, you have to see the Colosseum. It's so funny because like you walk down these roads and then there's like pharmacies and grocery stores and oh, there's the Colosseum, right? It's still like in the center of the town and it's a lot of it's still intact. It is an amazing sight to see. Um, and, and what's amazing about this Colosseum, it was built in 72 AD and can hold 50 to 80,000 people. In fact, many of our Colosseums today, uh, many of our arenas were built off the idea of the Colosseum that we see in Rome. But there's some rough uh, history to the Colosseum. Uh, the Colosseum was built by the blood of the Jewish people who were uh, were taken captive after Israel fell in around 70 AD. Uh, Israel had a massive loss to, to Rome. Their, their temple was destroyed. The temple still has not been built back up from that point, even though Israel is back as a nation. Um, also, this, uh, this uh, arena 
this Colosseum was home to many gladiator battles where if you lost, that meant you died. But it was also a place where many Christians were killed for sport in front of many, many people. It has been well documented, not only in the pages of scripture, but also in secular historical works, that to be a follower of Jesus in the Roman Empire in the early days was not an easy thing. In fact, uh, believers of Jesus were seen as people of treason, treason of the empire. If you refused to bow to the Roman gods, uh, if you refused uh, to utter or embrace uh, popular phrases such as uh, Caesar is Lord or other popular uh, phrases, that the nation wanted you to say, you were uh, either killed or you were uh, you lost your business, you lost your family, your home, your influence was removed. It was basically an ancient deplatforming. And the biggest and most documented persecution of followers of Christ happened around 70 AD, around when Nero blamed the Christians for a fire that broke out in Rome, a fire that many believe Nero set himself uh, to blame Christians. Nero took advantage of the carnage and he uh, rounded up Christians and tortured them. He would often kill Christians by feeding them to dogs, to lions, or even pouring wax on believers and lighting them like a candle for everybody to watch. It was horrific. Now today, if you were to travel to Rome, as I said, uh, you see a number of great archeological works. You see a number of ruins throughout the city. And if it's something you can ever take a look, please go look at it. But you know what? I, when I was in Rome, I, I thought about this. I was, I, was, I was like, okay, what did Rome look like? You're like we can see a, a, what, it, what we have today, but like imagine what it looked like in its full glory. And as I was standing amongst the ruins, you know what, I, this is so elementary, I know, but you know what I was thinking? I was like, you know what it takes to get ruins? It has to be ruined right? It has to be ruined, which means the great Roman Empire, I know I'm probably late to the game here if I'm informing you this, the great Roman Empire fell, right? This great thing that people thought could never go away, it fell, and we have the ruins to prove that it fell. In fact, Romans, or, or empires rather, are from this world. They don't last. In fact, I remember uh, a quote from a Russian monk in 1510. Uh, he spoke of the Russian Empire as being the new Roman Empire. He, this is what he said. He said, the third Rome, though stands, nor will there ever be a fourth. What he's saying is, is that the Russian Empire is the third Roman Empire, and there'll never be a fourth because the third will never fall. Well, we, if you know your history, uh, the Russian Empire fell to when the Soviet Union came to power, and then the Soviet Union fell. And so you see, great nations, great empires have a timeline. And listen, I, I, we don't know how long things will last, but one thing that we do know will last, what we're told in scripture, uh, Jesus told Peter this right before he's ready to ascend into heaven. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Think about this. When things seem to be crumbling around us, we have to remember what is going to be constant. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We should be encouraged by that church. The kingdom of God is greater than any earthly empire. And by the way, I am thankful for our country. I, I, I love the United States of America I, because we are free to do just this. We're free to share Christ. We, we, we aren't sharing today with fear of being thrown into a coliseum, right? And so I'm very thankful for that. So don't mishear me, but I want you to know my allegiance is to Jesus and first. And that's what our allegiance should be to anything in life.
In fact, Jesus told us in Matthew 6, 33, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In fact, this is our main point. Our main point is this, is that our kingdom identity is greater than our earthly identity. This is what this means, is that uh, whether it be our citizenship, uh, whether it be our jobs, whether it be even our family, whether it, whether it even be uh, the causes, the great causes that we get involved with, it, this so easily wants to hijack our identity that we're supposed to have in Christ. This is what Romans is about. Romans is about making sure that Jesus is the center. It leads us, it guides us, it pushes us that our kingdom identity is greater than and leads what we do here on earth. Listen, the things on earth aren't not, not important, all right? But these things need to be led by our kingdom identity. We are kingdom people over earthly ambitions or affiliations. And this is summed up in Paul's statement in Romans 1, 16. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it's written, the righteous will live by faith. Now that word gospel means good news. In fact, uh, if a first century emperor were to win a battle, he'd come back and give the gospel. That means he's not only giving good news, but a gospel meant victory. And this is what we need to understand. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus, your victory, yes, is future when Christ comes back and, and redeems everything, right? But you need to understand your victories right now. I can't tell you how often it is when we, when we say we're the people of God and yet we walk around and we're defeated or we walk around and we're like, oh, the circumstances just surrounding me and, and just we're just so downcast and the peace of God is not seen in our life. Listen, it's okay to have a bad day, but it should never rob us of our kingdom identity. And so to, the gospel is not only good news, it's victory. And we have victory in Christ. There's no longer any condemnation. We're no longer an enemy. We're no longer a slave to sin, but we are now humble servants to Christ. Now don't miss this. Romans is loaded with the gospel, but the original audience wasn't just non-believers. Often when you think of the gospel, you think of, okay, everybody I need to share the gospel with. That's a good thing. I talk about that a lot. But did you know that we need to speak the gospel to ourselves? If we don't speak the gospel to ourselves, it will go from being the kingdom being the greatest thing to the things of earth being the greater thing. We must be gospel-centric. The gospel is not some preliminary entrance exam into the faith. It is, it is our preliminaries, but it's not just the preliminaries, but rather it is the center of how a person thinks, acts, and loves people. The gospel is not how you just begin the Christian life. It is how you grow in the Christian life. The gospel is everything. And listen, if you're hearing people right now say, well, you know, the gospel is just this or that. Listen, that is not from the Bible. The gospel is everything. The gospel changes everything. The gospel sets a course, a, a new trajectory in life. You know, I heard it said this way. Often when we look at what's happening in the world, we're like, we focus on what's happening in the world. But listen, it's just a magnification of what's happening individually in our hearts. And we need a gospel change in our hearts. We need to be reminded of the victory that's ours, that we can spread the peace and grace of Jesus Christ in a world that is weary. Your kingdom identity is greater than your earthly identity. Where are you at? Where are you at? Is, is it earthly? What are you thinking about right now? What are these things that are tugging on your heart? Where's the kingdom? So let's break this down. 
Paul intros his letter as he does many of his letters in the New Testament. He gives what's called an epistolary greeting. Uh, he greets uh, the church or his uh, people that he's writing to. And so this is a part of uh, the book that usually I just <laughs> speed right through. <laughs> like, okay, he's saying hello to people. I'm gonna, but listen, there is so much in the intro to Romans. And so that's where we're just gonna stay this morning. So we're gonna look at Paul's intro in verse one through verse seven. And what we're gonna find here um, with our identity, with our kingdom identity, that it's about connection, it's about calling, and it's about heavenly confidence. It's about connection, calling, and confidence. So your kingdom identity is about first, connection. Let's look at Romans 1.1 again. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Now what we see here is Paul is introducing himself as a servant of Christ Jesus. His connection to Christ is described by being a servant to Christ. Now it's easy to blow past this, like okay, he's a servant. Yeah, he's Paul, he wrote half the scriptures. Of course he's a servant, but listen, let's look at that word servant, it's so huge. The word servant in the Greek is called doulos. It, it means bond servant. Now there's another word in the Greek and it's just mean, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm serving a table or I'm just doing service or whatever. Like that's just more of a task. This is a more of an identity servanthood. It's doulos, which means a bond servant. The word means that there's a connection with God, that it, there's a possession by God to us that we're made for him and by him and we're redeemed by him in his blood. And this relationship cannot be broken. And this flies in the face of living in an individualistic society where we think about ourselves and that it's our time, it's our money, it's our ambition, it's our hobbies. And listen, I'm not saying you can't manage those things, but we gotta understand whose we are. Something has you this morning, what is it? And so this word servant speaks to a nature that we're connected to something, that we serve something bigger than our lives. And, and so the question is, is what you're serving, is it bigger than your life, is it eternal? Last week we talked about our souls and how it hungers to be feel, to filled with something. And don't fool yourself, we are serving something in our life. Your soul has a price. There's an old phrase, everybody has a price, we do. The thing is, what are we buying? Because someone's selling something, what are we buying? What are we buying? And you're like, oh no, that's not me, I'm not influenced, are you serious? Here's the deal. There's a reason why the advertising industry is a billion dollar industry, because they know they can influence us to buy things. I remember there was a Pizza Hut commercial once and I've never ordered pizza after a Pizza Hut commercial. I'm like, okay, whatever. But I caught my brother. My brother was like, oh, that looks good. And immediately he ordered, I'm like, you're kidding. It, it worked. It, it, the thing is, it's a billion dollar industry. They know that they, they wanna train us to say that we need these things. We are being controlled by algorithms on, on social media where it, it, it just, it puts what they want us to know or what we, they think we should know. It's weird, sometimes you're thinking something and then you see the ad for it and you're like, that's weird, right? And so the thing is, people are trying to manipulate us or they're, they're trying to persuade us, scare us, even demand certain things out of us with the fear of punishment the fear that you won't fit in or the fear that you'll miss out or the fear that your life will be lacking if you don't have this thing that they're selling that you need to buy it right now. So the question is, what is your price? What is your soul's price? Uh, what are you buying? We, what will sit on the throne of your soul? Your soul is so easily bound to something. And you know, the overarching message of Romans is that your freedom is not found on earth. Your freedom is found in Christ. Your freedom is found by living a kingdom ethic. And when you serve Christ, you actually find freedom that you're made for. The freedom that your souls were crafted for. Your freedom is found in Christ. 
But that term bond and bond servant, bond servant, that means that your freedom, your connection to God came at a huge price. It came at Jesus Christ dying on the cross, shedding his blood. Why? To stand in your place for every sin that you committed, past, present, and future. It came at an amazing cost. He, he stood in your place. It's called substitutionary atonement. That means that he stood in your place to take on God's wrath. That means that he, he stood in your place so that you may be forgiven. He's taking on the punishment of your sin, resulting not only in your forgiveness, but get this, your adoption. Your adoption as a chosen son and daughter. You are bought with a price. You're not your own. You're not the ruler. Something is ruling you. And when you're a servant to Christ, King Jesus is to rule the day. And this results in our attitudes that are to be pleasing to him. Paul warned uh, to the church in Galatia, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, he said, For am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be, there it is, a servant of Christ. So who do you serve? Are you serving? Are you trying to please people? Or are you trying to please God, because listen, if you want to be a servant of Christ, the kingdom ethic, the kingdom identity must be leading you. Your kingdom identity is greater than your earthly identity. Your kingdom identity is about connection. It's about being a servant to Christ. And secondly, it's about your calling. Back to verse one. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh and was appointed to be the powerful son of God according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. Now, the second thing we notice here is beyond the connection, the servanthood, is that we have calling, which means that you have a role, that you have a message that's been entrusted to you. So let's focus first on the calling of the role. Paul was called to be an apostle. Now, the word apostle literally means, well, I'll tell you the Greek, it's apostolos, right? That's where we get apostle. We never translate it. So what happens if we actually translate that word into English? It means to be sent out or called out once. In scripture, there is the authority of an apostle. So let's call that the apostle with the capital A. And then there's the apostles that uh, have influence over a general area. We'll call that the apostle with the lowercase a. Paul had both of these. Paul was an apostle that was directly commissioned uh, by Jesus. Paul also uh, authored the majority of the New Testament through the inspiration and authority of the Holy Spirit. And today we have the inspired word of God that we know specifically what God wants for our life because of the obedience of the call of the apostle Paul. And like the apostles who saw Jesus who have a calling in a general sense to be sent out, Matthew 28 gives us a blanket statement that we all need, to, there's a generic sense that we all need to fulfill our calling with the gospel. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 28 that we are to go and make disciples of all nations, uh, that we are to see this calling lived out in our life. God has a call on our life and it's not, and sometimes we, we, we get really under the hood and we look at the particulars and, and, and that, that can be important. But listen, sometimes we do that at the expense of the main thing. The main thing is you are a child of God with a message, with influence that God wants to use you right now with his gospel. So what's going to happen when he calls? Now, he already has called. Let me give you an illustration. Here's my iPhone. Did you know, <laughs> this is going to creep you out. Did you know that, um, 
uh, I, I want to say it was six months ago, that there was a huge error on the Apple network. That whenever somebody tried to call, they didn't have to wait to an for the other person on the other end to answer. It just answered and they could start talking and hearing them right away. And so for some people, it got way awkward. You know, people would call, they put up their ear and then they'd hear the person on the other side, oh, I don't want to talk to him. It, it was really, really awkward and it was an amazing error on Apple's part. And some of you are like, I didn't know that. Oh, it's real, it happened. But you know what? This happens to us every day. When Jesus calls, he doesn't wait for us to pick up the phone and answer. He's already answered. He's already talking to us. He already knows what we're thinking. The question is, are we gonna do what he's saying? And the thing is, God has a call over our life. In verse five, we see this, through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all Gentiles, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. Now, it could be easy to say, well, this is just you know for Paul or the apostles or people that are gifted certain ways, eh, wrong, take a look at this. Last verse, including you, who's you? You, me, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. There is a calling in your life not to be passive. As we return into the churches, we, there is no longer a bench warming section where we just sit there and we watch. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are called to see the gospel go out. We are called to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We are called to minister to one another. Why? Because it includes you. You who are also called by Jesus Christ. We're called and we're also, what we see here is, set apart, set apart for the gospel. Paul gets even more specific of the contents of our calling. We are set apart for the gospel. In Paul's former life, he set himself apart for his fame. I mean, he was really religious, okay? He didn't know Jesus, he opposed Jesus. He was really religious. He loved his little platform. He loved everything that he did and he wanted to be noticed. He wanted to be appreciated. He wanted that respect. But you know what he said? He said, that's just garbage. When he met Jesus, he's like, that's absolute garbage. Guess what? I'm not set apart for myself, for the earthly things, for me to be seen. I'm set apart for God, which means what? The kingdom is greater than our earthly aspirations, right? The kingdom, our kingdom identity is greater than our earthly identity. And when he realized this, he said, I am now set apart, just like you and I are. We are set apart for the kingdom. We are set apart for the gospel. So church, what do you want to be known for? Your life, what do you want to be known for? This is a loaded question because it's easy to want to be known for a number of things that actually don't matter. Well, I mean, we actually think of, well, you know, like even in church world, you know, I just want to be known as this or that. Listen, that, that, that reflects more of you. Listen, it's not about us. I hope the ministry that flows out of us in this season, people don't see us, they see Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Less of us, more of Jesus. When we are more kingdom-minded, when we have more of a kingdom identity, we shrink and Jesus expands in people's view. So church, what do you want to be known for? Again, it's gonna come down to, are you kingdom-minded? Is your kingdom identity greater than your earthly identity? This is huge. This is the equation that if you flip it, everything falls apart and you, become to, you, you begin to bow down to things that are not God. Let's take a look at verse four, the gospel. The good news of Jesus, we are set apart for the gospel. Jesus has spoken through the totality of the Bible. In fact, in the Old Testament, uh, they prophesied that the Messiah was gonna come. They, they longed for the day that the Messiah would come. And then in the New Testament, it speaks of the Messiah that did come through Jesus Christ. 
The Bible, from cover to cover, talks about the, our, our Savior King. It talks about how to be in right relationship with God. And these prophecies of old uh, are just littered throughout the, the uh, Old Testament. But you know what? Why Jesus was so offensive to the religious order, their idea of a Messiah was this triumphant Messiah, was this Messiah that was gonna take Israel out of the clutches of Rome and, and, and take them out of their oppression and take them and make them a great nation and make them, and make them a people that is no longer under the thumb of another nation. And Jesus, when he came about, some people thought, here he is. He's our political savior. He's gonna have political policies. He's gonna have all these things and it's gonna make our life wonderful. And so when Jesus died on the cross, was buried during those three days, some of the disciples, as we have recorded in Luke 23, 21, were just dumbfounded. They said, but we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. They missed it. Even though we know that all the disciples went on because Jesus is full of love and mercy, they went on to do huge things. But in that moment, they mistaken Jesus for a politician instead of God. Church, there's a lot of division in our country right now. We need Jesus. Some people say that's a cop-out answer. No, it's not. He's our everything. And if we're gonna make a difference as a people of God, we have to be Jesus people first and influence people in the heart and love of Christ, one person at a time. Jesus came not to be a political force to establish a better earth, but to redeem earth from its hopeless decay through his death and resurrection. The gospel indeed changes everything to those who place their faith and trust in him, who then become children of God, living according to his purpose towards his calling. Your kingdom identity is greater, needs to be greater than your earthly identity. It's about connecting, it's about calling, and finally, it's about confidence. We can have confidence in Christ. Verse seven, to all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, this letter was primarily written to followers of Christ, but notice what the followers of Christ have, grace and peace. We can have confidence this morning because of the undeserved favor of God that he freely gives you through faith, through placing your faith and trust in him, through his death and resurrection, that this grace, it is, it is a distinguishing characteristic of the gospel. Every other religion, it says, try hard, try harder, and then try harder. You didn't do enough, so try harder. Why did you do that? How could you? How you should have? You could have? Why didn't you? When Jesus said, I paid it all. He paid it all on the cross. Jesus says this, you're not accepted by what you did. You do what you do because you're accepted. We do not live in a society of grace, but of shame and punishment. You can say the wrong thing. You can have the wrong hashtag. You can fly the wrong flag. You can wear the wrong t-shirt. You can put the wrong ingredients in a recipe and people will just cut you out of their life. Listen, we live in a life of shame and punishment and this is not God. God is a God of abundant love and grace that he wants to give to you when you place your faith and your trust in him alone. And when you are a follower of Christ, guess what? We are long suffering and, and connecting with people that they could see the same 
Savior, that they can place their faith and trust in the Savior. Because remember, the gospel changes everything. We don't ask people to clean up to get to the gospel. That We say, get to the gospel, and guess what happens? Your life starts to look like Jesus. Our lives begin to change. Because this is what scripture says, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to say the right thing, prove the right intentions, or repeat some mantra over and over again and think that we're a better person. He said, while you were the worst of the worst, he went to the cross, he saw your face, he knows your name, and he said, it is finished. Come to him, those who are weary, and you will find rest. Because of his grace, you can have peace. Now, peace can be defined in a number of ways. And people think of peace like, hey, what brings peace? It's like, ah, oh, you know, it's when I'm by the ocean and I can hear the waves crash when I'm on the beach. Or maybe you're at a cabin and you can see a beautiful mountain view and you, you're doing your devotions and you're drinking a good cup of coffee. You know what? That will bring peace, momentary peace. This isn't what the peace that God's talking about in verse 7. What Paul is saying here is grace to you and peace. What is peace? Peace is understanding who you are in Christ. Because guess what? Things can change in the earth, but listen, the eternal purposes, they are the same. When you know who you are in Christ, guess what? The world could be crumbling. The world can be confusing. You might not know what up from down, but what you can know is Jesus Christ has come. He is our savior. He is, he has, he's got everything into his hands. He knows your situation. You can have peace in him no matter matter what. And peace is the observable characteristic when a person is displaying faith. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have a time where you're just dumbfounded or whatever. Listen, we're broken human beings, right? But peace, peace that defies understanding, that's a fruit of faith that only comes when you know who you are, whose you are, when you know where your identity is found. And it's not on this planet. It's the internal purposes of the Lord God Almighty and his kingdom that starts now and lasts forever. That we're to begin to live now and be people of influence. So I wanna ask some questions and I want you to answer these questions uh, it, it, right after the broadcast goes off today. Here's some questions, I'm gonna put them on the screen. What is taking precedence in your life, in your thinking, in your actions? Is it kingdom or is it earth? Be honest. Secondly, do you think of yourself free to do what you want to do? Or do you value your freedom to live and worship Christ? Third, are you answering the calling of Christ to be his representative of the gospel? So are you answering his calling? Remember, he's already picked up the phone. He just wants to talk to you. <laughs> Fourth, do you believe the gospel is enough? Or do you feel like the gospel is just an ingredient? Do you believe the gospel is actually enough? That, this one's huge. Fifth, where do you need to preach the gospel to yourself? Where do you not believe the gospel in your life? Where do you need to start preaching truth to yourself? And finally, what intentional steps are you willing to take to be set apart for the gospel this week, specifically in the next 24 hours? What intentional steps are you willing to take to be set apart for the gospel? All right, I'm gonna pray, but I wanna speak specifically to those that are connecting with us today online. This may be the first time you've come to Emmanuel, someone invited you, or you've been here for a while. And you know what? You don't know if God's personal. You don't know if Jesus is personal. You don't know if you have that connection. You're like calling, I have no clue. And what really hit you is you just don't have that confidence that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Well, you know, guess what? The Bible says you can know. You can know that you have a relationship with him. And it's simple. 
God created you to have a relationship with him, but your, your actions, your sins separated you from an almighty God. But the beautiful thing, I already said it today, is that while you are still sinning, Christ died for you. He died for you, he paid it all, he said it's finished on the cross. He went to the cross to stand in your place to take the punishment, that, that separation from God, he took it upon himself. But because he's a perfect sacrifice, when he died, he rose it from the dead three days later. And he's inviting you now to say, you know what? I wanna make this faith personal. I wanna place my faith and trust in Jesus alone, not anything on earth, not many of my good works. I wanna trust in Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. If that's you, will you just pray with me? Will you, will you just pray with me and receive Jesus in your life? Pray along with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for making me. I realize I've done wrong in my life and I need a savior. I need forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for raising from the dead and help me now follow you Help me connect with you. Help me live a calling in you. Help me in my confidence with you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you placed your faith and trust in Jesus, will you just do, a, just do something awesome for us? Will you, will you just hit that, that hand button, just letting everybody online know that somebody has said yes to Jesus today? Because you know what happens? Uh, it, just a hand on the screen, I get that. But you know what happens is that people around Kenosha, around the nation, because there are people watching all over the country, they are having a party because they know that people are meeting God. And if you're on Facebook, uh, you can do something even more bold. Just write in the comment section today, I place my trust in Jesus, all right? So do one of those two things. Uh, and we just for us just to know that people out there today said yes to Jesus. And I want you to know people all these different weeks that we've done this have said yes to Jesus. It's been a party every week and we're excited for the party that's happening right now. Hey, we'll see you next week uh, right here on Church Online. We're gonna go into week two of Empires. And again, if you're feeling comfortable coming back live in person, we'll be live in person as well at 6009 Pershing Boulevard. You can find the, all the information. I'm going old school there. You can find all the information at Kenosha.church. Until then, have a wonderful week. Remember, it's about our kingdom identity. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Again, if you'd like more information on Emmanuel, check us out online at kenosha.church. Also, we'd love it if you connected with us on Facebook and Instagram, both at kenosha.church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes at Emmanuel Kenosha. That way you never have to miss an episode and it helps us out greatly. At Emmanuel, we are not a perfect people, but a people being made new. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next time on the Emmanuel Message Podcast.